Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about thinking errors. Jody was a people-centered leader. She based her decision-making on her values. Depending on the situation, her values might align with the consumer or the company, with the employee or the corporation. People didn't view her as inconsistent. Rather, they experienced her as a weather vane continuously pointing in an ethical direction. And people also knew she sometimes cared too much. She could be easily wounded, and she was known to hold a grudge. About halfway into our coaching engagement, Jody mentioned she was angry at a young woman named Britt. A few weeks back, she told me, Britt had introduced herself via email and asked for an appointment to talk about her career. It was known throughout the company that Jody welcomed mentoring meetings with other women. As was Jody's norm, she said yes to Britt. But when she showed up the other day, said Jody, clearly still angry, she didn't want career advice. She wanted to complain about something one of my vice presidents did at a meeting. Oh, how did that go, I asked. Not so well. I listened, but I was pissed. I still am. I feel like I got sandbagged. And I asked her straight out, why didn't you just tell me the truth instead of lying about it? And she said, Ah, the usual. She didn't think it could be explained in an email. And she didn't think I would have accepted an invitation with the subject line complaints about Carlos, blah, blah, blah. To which you said that she should have known better. Twice before in our coaching conversations, Jody had said someone should have known better. Hearing her use that phrase now for the third time, I asked, How could she have? How could she have what? She asked back. How could Brit possibly have known better? Don't you assume she did her best? Well, I hope not, said Jody. If that's her best, I'm not sure how much I want to help her. Jody, what exactly do you think she should have known? She should have known not to lie to me. She should have used good judgment. Good judgment, I said. Whose good judgment? Mine, she said in total sincerity. I looked up at the ceiling and I said, so you're saying she should have used your judgment so she would behave the way you wanted her to behave. She looked a little sheepish. She said, when you say it like that, it sounds completely stupid. Obviously, the only person who can use my judgment is me, but... Actually, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And I think it's perfectly natural, Jody. I think we all see people do things and we think, what's the matter with them? Don't they know better? But that idea that someone should know better, it's a thinking error. I mean, we think it all the time. It feels like truth to us, but it is a thinking error. A thinking error, Jody asked? Is that a real thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure, we all have thinking errors. The words she should have known better. Perfect example. She narrowed her eyes as if puzzling it out. They're a thinking error because the only person who can use my judgment is me? 
right. They are a thinking error because the ideas behind the words aren't accurate. Brit could not have known better if knowing better means reading your mind. I mean, look, if you had told her the rules of the game ahead of time and she broke them, then yes, she should have known better, but she didn't know the rules. She didn't know you. So she couldn't have known better. Your thinking that she could is the thinking error. She pursed her lips and nodded. Fair enough. That puts the responsibility on me. I like that. She couldn't have known better if I didn't tell her. I'm still not sure how it makes it a thinking error. Is it the word should? That's an interesting idea, I said. How would that work? I thought maybe the word should automatically makes any thought a thinking error. My husband says should is nothing but a guilt trip word. He says, every time you use it, ask yourself, says who? Whose should is it? Where does that should come from? From your mom? From society? From God? And it doesn't matter where it comes from. Isn't it just a big guilt trip word? Don't take it on. I laughed. I love the idea of asking yourself, says who? She said, a lot of the time, the should I hear myself tell myself, it isn't really mine. It's some value system that's outside me. I love that you can look at it like that, I said. When I work with people who do a lot of shoulding, I often ask them to replace the word should with the word want or I want or I would have liked it better if. Those little phrases instead of should change the entire focus. She thought a second and then said, Brit, I would have liked it better if you had been honest about why you wanted to see me. Oh, wow, you're right. That is really different. Instead of me being angry and feeling like I got victimized, all powerless, I would have liked it better if puts the responsibility right in my hands. I like that. I am a lot less angry. After a minute for both of us to digest, I said, you asked before if should automatically makes a thinking error. I'm beginning to think maybe it does. I certainly think it's an automatic error when the should becomes rigid, you know, right and wrong, good or bad, all or nothing. When it gets inflexible, black and white thinking like that, I really believe at some point it's inevitable that the idea behind the words won't be accurate. Jody said, so that's the definition of a thinking error. The ideas behind the words aren't accurate. Right, I said. If you stop and logic out the idea, it doesn't hold. There is an error in it somewhere. A lot of times it's because there's a big assumption made. She said, yeah, like I assumed Brit should know better. Like that, I said. Are there other thinking errors besides the word should? Oh, sure. Like what? Well, I just mentioned assumptions. Assumptions are good indications of thinking errors. Do you know the phrase, don't assume anything? It's from a book, The Four Agreements, she said, jumping in. I was just thinking that. Yeah, I love that book. Me too. What else, she asked. I said, another one I hear a lot is when people talk about feelings. They'll say, he made me so angry, or I want to make my husband happy. To me, the idea that one person can make another person feel anything is automatically a thinking error. It's not a possible thing to do. The idea behind the words aren't accurate. Hold on, she said. 
I do a lot of things that make my husband happy. My kids, too. I'm sure you do things with the intention of making your husband happy, and I'm glad if you get the results you're getting. That's great. But it is not you who's making him happy. His happiness is his choice. No, she protested. He wouldn't have been happy if it weren't for me getting him that thing he wanted or whatever I did in my infinite wifely wisdom. Can we use a different example for a second, I said. Okay. How about this? He made me so angry. What about that? Can your husband make you angry? (laughs) He sure can, she said. When he does some stupid thing that we've talked about a million times, yes, indeed, he makes me angry. Every time, I asked. How do you mean? Okay, let's suppose. Suppose that the two of you are in a heated discussion about something related to the kids, and you both really feel strongly about your positions. While you are still on opposite sides of the issue, it is not yet resolved, you find out that he did that stupid thing again, whatever that is, right? How are you going to react? Well, you're proving my point, she said. That would make me really angry. Fair enough, I said. Can we suppose a different scenario? In this one, there's no fight. In fact, it is a date night. It's a wonderful time together. It's relaxing. It's just the two of you. You're having a great meal. You're finishing off the wine. He's listening to you talk about things here at work. You're feeling really heard. And you find out he did that stupid thing again. What happens that time? She smiled with affection. I'm probably going to cut him some slack. Because, I asked. Because... Other things are more important at the moment. Says who, I asked. Me, she said. So, I said. Both times, he did the same stupid thing. But your reactions are different. So it's not what he did that makes you angry. You choose to be angry or not, depending on the situation. Your feelings are yours to control. Imagining he has control over your feelings is a thinking error. She rolled her eyes. Do you know who I was just talking about this with? Britt. She told me Carlos, he's the VP that she was complaining about to me. She told me Carlos was intimidating. That's what she said to me. He is so intimidating. And I thought to myself, no, he is not. He's actually insecure and thin-skinned. But I do understand why someone like Brit might find him intimidating, but I think it's a thinking error. Oh, great, I said. How so? Well, it's just not accurate that Carlos is intimidating. He's not intimidating, at least but not to me. He is intimidating to Brit. Right, I said. So how would you coach her to say it without the thinking error? She paused, and then she said, instead of, Carlos is so intimidating, she could say, I get really intimidated around Carlos. Perfect, I said. That is great coaching. She reports her feelings, and it is an accurate report. No thinking error. Feeling statements like, when you do X, I get angry, were hard for Jody at first. But as she got better at taking responsibility for her feelings, the thinking errors lessened, which felt much more like the look and sound of leadership. Do you examine your thoughts for accuracy? I'm going to talk about that for a minute. One quick word to coaches. 
the coaches who are listeners, stay tuned after the sign-off. I've got something to tell you. Okay, so the question I asked was, do you examine your thoughts for accuracy? It is a, it's a really interesting discipline to have. So picture yourself in a moment of triumph. Something fantastic has happened. You are celebrating. What is it that you're celebrating? Is it some version of yourself that has been affirmed? I mean, what is it that has you elated? Sometimes there are thinking errors buried in there. Have you ever heard someone say, I am a failure? Not I failed, but I, me, my very self, I am a failure. I have heard those words said, and the person who said it believed it. She could not separate herself from her actions and her behaviors. It was as if she had no choice, no agency. Failure was what she expected of herself. Thinking of yourself as a person, as a failure, that is a thinking error for sure. Thinking that you had a failure, you bet. That's completely reasonable. I'm saying don't make yourself the experience. Don't label your identity. I have another really important example of a thinking error that I want you to hear. I will tell it to you right after this month's gratitude. This month's episode is going live just after the beginning of the new year. We are now in the year 2020. I want to begin with greetings and good wishes to all of you. I hope you have a wonderful year of discovery and growth. I hope that growing yourself this year is a really fun stretch. I hope it is a challenging problem that really engages you. One of my wishes for this year for the Look and Sound of Leadership podcast is to double the number of reviews in iTunes. Currently in the United States, there are 791 reviews for the podcast. That's amazing, isn't it? Thank you so much. I know that by the end of the year, we could double that number. And we can do this all around the world. In India, there are nine reviews. In Spain, there are two. In Australia, 43. I mean, all of that is just amazing, isn't it? It's fantastic. And I know that we can double all those numbers. So I would like to say, please post a review, and then I will thank you as I'm about to say thank you to these people who posted this month here in the United States. Matt Viameno, the safety geek from the United Kingdom, where there are 53 reviews, by the way. Sophie, 1975 from Belgium, who posted the very first review in Belgium. Thank you so much, Sophie, 1975. Okay, thank you all. So there's one final error that I want to talk about that I think often connects directly to a thinking error. I see this behavior a lot, and I see it in more women than I see it in men. Apologizing. Listen for apologizing in yourself. Is it something you say reflexively? Uh, huh. The other day I was with a client. We walked into a conference room where we were going to meet. And there was a woman seated at the conference table with work spread out in front of her. The instant we walked in the door, she startled and blurted out, sorry. And she looked like we had caught her doing something bad. She scraped up her papers, and she grabbed her laptop, and she never really made any eye contact with either of us, and she hustled herself out the door. It was amazing. Our entire experience of that woman was one long apology. I think some people apologize reflexively. When I see that, someone rep apologizing reflexively, 
I imagine that I could sit down with that person and ask her, why? Why was she so apologetic in that situation? What did she think was going to happen? What was she afraid of? I am guessing that in five or ten minutes, we would run into thinking errors. There is something that she assumes or something she believes that just isn't realistic. It's not likely to happen. It's probably not even true. Would it be helpful for me to tell her that? Maybe. Maybe. Let let me ask it to you this way. What do you do if you hear your best friend with some thinking error that comes out of her mouth? Like she says to you, oh, my mom made me so angry on the phone last night. Now, assuming that you subscribe to what I subscribe, that no one person can make another person angry, are you going to jump in and say, well, uh uh-uh, that's a thinking error? I mean, I don't think you are, at least not right then. If you hear it as a habitual way of thinking, might you make time to talk with her about what you're hearing? Yes, I think you could. What I wonder is how many people feel equipped to have a conversation like that. I know there are many, many people I work with who do not feel equipped to talk with someone else about the impact of that person's behavior. By the way, that's a big clue about one way to have this conversation. Talk about the impact on yourself. Don't speak for others. But when you talk about the other person's behavior, put yourself in the story. Help them understand why it's important to you. And then shut up and listen. And ask good questions and shut up and listen. When you hear a thinking error in someone else, you could do all that. What about when you hear a thinking error in yourself? And by the way, I think it is really hard to hear it in yourself. Trigger words like should can help you listen for thinking errors. When you want to test for thinking errors, ask yourself why. Why would that thing be true, whatever that is? Why would that be true? Play the nine whys game. Why? 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 Just keep asking yourself why and see where it leads you. And don't protect yourself. Don't do this to win or to make yourself look good, right? There's no one watching. Grade yourself realistically. Why do you think what you think? I know that that sort of reflection is really hard for a large chunk of the population. And I believe that reflection is a muscle you can build. I believe that thinking errors weaken you. Honest inquiry about yourself can build you up over time. How would that happen? Well, Jody said it a couple different ways during the episode. She talked about how she gained control, how the responsibility was put in her hands. Asking yourself why makes you more resilient. It allows you to take on more of what happens in the world. One way that you can explore this is with Nathaniel Brandon's work on self-esteem. One of his books, it's a great little book called How to Raise Your Self-Esteem. It's terrific. It's very thin. In different sections, there are writing exercises, which are fantastic. There's a link for the book in the show notes, How to Raise Your Self-Esteem by Nathaniel Brandon. During the episode, Jody and I gave some love to Don Miguel Ruiz's perennial bestseller, The Four Agreements. It's funny, I talked about The Four Agreements in another episode just recently. I'm not sure why The Four Agreements is popping its head up so regularly, but it is always worth a read. It's a great book. Here on the Essential Communications website, there are lots of free resources for you. In the podcast archive, this episode is filed in categories like For Women, 
self-perception, how you perceive yourself, and self-talk. So you could go to the archive and use those filters. Five specific episodes that you might look at are don't take anything personally, self-awareness and self-management, self-limiting beliefs, smoothing harsh edges, and three words you should never say. The archive of all the episodes is on the Essential Communications website, EssentialCom.com. It's EssentialCom with two M's.com. And while you're there, hit the contact button, say hi, and double your country's reviews. Go for it. I know you can do it. Thanks. That's it for me. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, coaches. Hi. I want to say real quickly, right now it is January 2020. On February 14th, 2020, the Executive Coaching Special Interest Group that is sponsored by ICF Los Angeles is having its first meeting of the year. That's February 14th, 9 a.m. Pacific time. The Executive Coaching Special Interest Group is this wonderful online community. It's a Zoom call. Turn on your videos. We There are usually 40 of us or more uh, from all around the world, and we're all at different places in our career, and we all come as learners, and we, in February, we get to know each other, and we set the agenda for the rest of the year. It's a great, great time. Come join the community, icfla.org is the website where you can find the special interest groups. That's what you're looking for, special interest groups. Find the executive coaching one and sign up. It'd be great to see you there. Thanks. Bye.